0: Hello everybody this is Two Guys Five Movies with your co-host Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pelican. It is November 17th 2019 this is episode 53 and tonight we are going to cover the current most exciting filmmakers. Uh, Frank I want to start off asking you is there any commonalities or are there any particular reason like why the people that are on this list are there?
1: Um, I mean typically it's just people that haven't made that many movies. Um, have kind of started making movies. With a couple exceptions in the past like decade. Um, and are doing things. I mean a lot of them are in the horror genre. Like I'll be honest because it's just. Like what I tend to gravitate to when I look for like new stuff. Um, but you know they, they, they take chances. They're making movies that are. I mean they feel like more artistic than just like. I don't know, like, quick, like, low-budget cash grabs. Like, even though some of these people, one guy in particular is making what I would consider, like, B or Z-grade, like, horror. Um, there still is, like, an element of, like, artistry and appreciation for, um like, the past. You know, they're, they're pretty reverential. Um, and I don't know, they're just all, like, people that I'm excited to see what they're coming out with next. So, I guess you just said it, but it's like you're kind of defining past 10
0: to 15 years is current yeah right because i mean there's still plenty of filmmakers that i'm assuming you're still excited about oh sure right that wouldn't be on this list yeah
1: like i mean um park chan wook is a good example like he's a guy whose movies i'll always watch um still like was excited to see you know tarantino's new movie i'm really excited to see um scorsese's new movie when it comes out Um, there's, there's directors that when they make movies, I think like, oh, well, that's interesting that, you know, um,
0: so I'm assuming like you still eventually check out Wes Anderson movies and and Paul Thomas Anderson Anderson
1: and right. Really excited whenever they make a new movie, Wes Anderson, a little less than Paul Thomas Anderson because I just kind of feel like Wes Anderson's just made the same movie except for his animated stuff like over and over, but. But you see those as much more established filmmakers. And that's the distinction
0: that you're making in this list.
1: Yeah, like anybody that was, like, firmly established in, like, the 90s and prior, I don't really consider them to be, like, an up-and-coming filmmaker. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so initially when I
0: conceived this idea, like, I don't know, like six months ago or more, I, I saw it as a top five list, and then you just sent me, like, 13 names like when I when I asked you about it so um so yeah we have a we're, we're breaking the top five mold a little bit this week um we have uh what 14 14 different people that we're going to discuss <clears throat> so I'm going to kind of bring up the the director to Frank Frank will go ahead and talk about what he finds interesting about them. we'll kind of go through their movies and um talk about what's upcoming for each of these people if, if I could find out um so we'll start probably with the most famous person on the list, uh, out of all of these, which is Jordan Peele, mm. um, Jordan Peele's 40, uh, famous obviously for Key and Peele, um, what, what's, what's the girl, Ch- uh, Chelsea Peretta, um, right. uh, is who he's married to from Brooklyn 99 <clears throat> and then kind of really broke through recently in terms of film in the past few years with, um, Get Out and then, um us which was this year correct February, i think yeah if i'm not mistaken yeah it was this year yeah so yeah yeah that's right it was early this year um so both of these movies pretty critically acclaimed already so what is it about peel that
1: appeals to you so much so i like peel's sensibility in when he's making movies and i think that like I think that he has the right mindset. And number one, I love the fact that the movies he's making are horror movies because I think that it's... Anytime that someone can make a horror movie that is critically acclaimed, it lends credibility to the genre and makes it easier for some stuff that may have been like easy to miss because it went direct-to-video to be more widely distributed and more well-known. Um, I don't know that that Peel is necessarily found like 100% his, like artistic voice, yet necessarily in his movies. Like, I think The Get Out is a fine movie, but not like a great movie. And I think Us is a really good movie that's just shy of being great. But I think both of them have really interesting ideas. I like the fact that he's number one, I mean, you know, cast black actors in the forefront of his movies because that's not something you see in mainstream releases as much. Um, although I guess it's become a more commonplace, but, um, still like, you know, for decades, like movies that appealed to like a black audience were relegated to Wednesday night releases or direct to video releases. And <clears throat> Peele brings like this cachet that like gains his films, like more, more visibility and more like potential acclaim. Um, and I like his socio like political ideas that kind of underlie like all of his movies who. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of find Get Out to be a little like obvious in that respect but still a well-done movie I mean but I, I I think that like you kind of see the, the quote-unquote twists and Get Out pretty early mm-hmm. Um, I think Us was a little more clever in that respect but I also think that Us kind of just doesn't follow through to the end of its idea I think it kind of just peters out in the last 20 minutes of the movie and doesn't really let you like doesn't give you the release of like finishing the story necessarily yeah not that I mind the ending of that movie I just
0: yeah I I mean I, I just watched it this week for the first time um, knowing that we were going to do this um, I'd already seen get out but I I, I liked us better than get out um, I still liked get out I thought yeah, it was a good movie, a good movie. but, but I, um, I I liked us better and I mean some of the same things you're saying I like the fact that uh, Black families, like, a black family was like predominant in that movie. It's like we don't get to see that very often. We've seen it much more in television, I think, in the past like fifteen years of black actors getting good roles, much more so than um, just having it normalized for black actors to just be in in movies. And th- that was nice, and um, so that's that's always a positive to me. But from the movie standpoint, um, I just. I just think that like nobody, he hasn't found that person yet, and some people never do, I suppose. But he hasn't found that person yet to tell him like you need to cut this, right? And I think that's like one of the the biggest things with his career right now is he needs somebody to help edit him a little bit. And I, it's not much. It's I've talked about it before. It's surgical strikes in, in the movies where I think you can cut down ten to fifteen minutes um, off those movies and just get rid of some kind of pointless filler scenes. And I think the the pacing is much tighter, but I agree with what you're saying. Just at the very end, there is like he has really interesting ideas subtextually that you can see, and they're they're interesting. But kind of like just we were talking about Cronenberg last week, it's like I I feel like it's not fully cemented with plot 100%. And um, where I thought Get Out was a little obvious. But good, I thought us was maybe too subtle at times and not really linking up completely with the plot overall. Sure. Um, and uh, but still really interesting, and I definitely see like why you have him on here.
1: Yeah, he has a really good eye for what a horror movie should look like too, and like mm-hmm. it's it's one of my complaints about somebody like James Wan, who I feel that his horror movies are just too chunky, like they're just too solid and they don't feel. Especially because his whole pretense is the supernatural. And it doesn't, it feels like so, I don't know, like thick and grounded in reality. Like none of his ghosts or apparitions have this like ephemeral feeling of like not being there. Like they feel mm-hmm. like they're physical like presences. And I think that one of Peele's greatest strengths is that he understands like how to film something where it makes you doubt the reality of what you're seeing or it makes you feel like there is something like supernatural or extra natural about mm-hmm. what you're watching. And, you know, I think that I'm I'm excited to see, like, where he goes. And I think that he's going to get stronger as a director with every film. And, again, just really excited just from the direction of his filmmaking and his, you know, really knowledgeable guy about the horror movie sure. industry as well. Well, and,
0: yeah, I saw that when I was looking it up. Like, his, his movies that he has listed as his top horror movies are Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, the Shining, Candyman, People Under the Stairs, Scream, uh, Funny Games, Misery, mm-hmm. Rear Window, The Burbs, and then Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, I, I mean, that's a really eclectic list of, of movies, and, and I can definitely see where some of these are um, absolutely like influencing the two movies that he made.
1: Yeah, the only one that I don't particularly like, although, like, now that you've said it, I see the influence is Funny Games. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a big um, Michael Haneke or Hankey, however you say his name, fan. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, like, that's a good list of movies. and yeah. Also shows that he recognizes movies that feature, like, black actors in a predominant role, because you mentioned Night of the Living Dead and Candyman. and And sure. um, People Under the Stairs. Right. <clears throat> not that the Candyman is a protagonist, but still, like, that's... Yeah, absolutely one of the first movies i can think of where a black actor played like the main villain in a horror movie mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. beyond like black exploitation movies from like the 70s and stuff but um uh, yeah he's he's good and i'm i'm really curious to see like what he comes out with
0: yeah he doesn't have anything lined up right now uh as his next like major project it seems but he's producing the Candyman remake right oh, that's tony todd's doing that right
1: he's he's yes. re, re, yeah he's going back to that i role. think it's a remake i think it's a reimagining or almost like maybe a sequel mm. in some ways mm. i don't know a whole lot about it but the, when, when i read the one like brief description it sounded like it's doesn't like ignore the first two movies like it's still mm. gotcha. like, it's it's still kind of a continuation yeah
0: <clears throat> and then he's um obviously producing the twilight zone reboot and i think he wrote and directed one episode for that i haven't watched any haven't of that yet because it it. it's on cbs all access and um i might watch it brandy Sp- probably will get it when that picard show comes out so maybe i'll try to watch some of those episodes mm. then um and then uh he this uh, lovecraft country hbo series that's coming that's out a good
1: book yeah he's he's producing that yeah. as well <clears throat> so that's interesting to see what they do with that because it's um i really enjoyed that book and it's it's a good blend of like civil rights era you know like small town racism mixed with like the over overarching theme Mm -hmm. of like the cosmic horror great old one type stuff right so
0: yeah so i mean it's it's also interesting that he's getting into producing so much i mean because i mean hollywood's obviously like anointed him of having like a golden touch and um so it'd be interesting to see like how he uses that power as well uh, in the coming years kind of okay so another person you have on your list here is david robert mitchell he's a 45 Uh, He has uh, The Myth of the American Sleepover from 2010 to his credits. It Follows from 2014. And then the noir movie um, Under the Silver Lake from 2018. Man, I don't know if I'd
1: call it noir. That's what it's classified as. Yeah, that's... I I guess... neo-noir. Right. That's like saying like Mulholland Drive is neo-noir because it's basically like a very similar like feel.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen Under. So like the only one I've seen is It Follows.
1: Yeah. Um, I had to do
0: a lot of catching up in the past two weeks
1: on these people, so. <laughs> Under a Silver Lake was I'm trying to think how that how that went. It was like supposed to be released in theaters, and I don't think it was. I think it got like quietly shit canned and then released direct to video. Mm. Um I want to say as like a prime exclusive, maybe. Mm. Um brilliant fucking movie, like very, very lynchian in the way that it feels. Mm. One of the things I like about um I like about him a lot is that he is really good at like filming things with a sense of like abject reality to him while still like adding odd or supernatural or mystical elements to his stuff like I think one of the most effective parts of It Follows is the sense that like you're always seeing the villain in the background for like 80% of that movie and it's not like I don't know it's not like overtly horrific in the sense that like it's constantly like getting you with jump scares it's more of like that subtle like there's this thing that's inside of like of space you might recognize that doesn't belong there right. and that just gradual like creeping dread and also the whole like like underlying like subtext of the movie the uh sexually transmitted diseases and basically like you're passing along like this curse to another person through your own selfish need to like
0: yeah i right i thought that was one of the more interesting aspects of it is that social commentary in the film i thought it was a pretty effective horror movie now that it's i guess it's been three weeks i've been watching a lot of these movies and um this might be the one that i've forgotten the most already is it follows honestly
1: it's a pretty small movie i can i, I can see and
0: uh, like i like i remember certain now that i'm thinking about it i remember it but it's like it's one of those ones that like when i first said his name i was like oh shit like do i remember like what happens in this movie and it's like i'm remembering it now yeah and um Is that movie that is very blue it feels right
1: it's kind of blue it's very washed out yeah uh, but also very dark at points too like it's it, it goes back and forth like there's a lot of scenes that are almost, like, overexposed in the way he films them and, like, the color just kind of washes away. Yeah,
0: normally we end up talking about these movies, um, like, off the podcast before we end up uh, talking about them on the podcast. And this is one that we didn't really talk about at all. Yeah. And maybe that's another reason why I'm having a hard time remembering some stuff. But I remember actually, like, finding, like, the main character somewhat unlikable.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I mean, she's in kind of an untenable situation, though, too. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, she's trying to save her own life. Understood, really. like,
0: but it's like, I, I just felt like, um, yeah, but there, there's some really good scenes in there, like you're talking about, with, like, that's just really just unsettling as you're watching it, like, with the slow-moving yeah. nature of, like, the villain or whatever it is, like the monster, um, just slowly coming at people. I wish you had seen Under the Silver Lake because I actually like that movie more than It Follows. What do you like about it so much? Like, what is it? Is it like the Lynchian element? Yeah,
1: there, that you like so much. I can't remember how I described it to you when I watched it. It was like, it's like David Lynch meets I don't know. Because there is there are noir elements to it, but it just goes so fucking like off the rails at a certain mm-hmm. point in a good way and. It's, like, everything that American Horror Story aspires to be, like, that movie is, in 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 many ways. Just in, like, capturing the weirdness of, like, Hollywood and the weirdness of conspiracy theorists and people's need to find meaning in, like, small things where, like, maybe meaning isn't actually there. Um... And then to, like, the ending, which is just, like, ludicrous in a lot of ways. But really good. Um, good performance from Andrew Garfield in it. I like him a lot. And I just... I I, I love, like, the Lynchian feel to it. And it actually has some plot twists that catch you completely off guard. Mm. Many times, like, where you're like, oh, my God. Like, I did not expect that to happen. Mm. Um, and I just like the way it looks a lot. Um, I don't know, I feel like people that love Hollywood... Or, like, that part of, like, Southern California and they know how to film it and they know how to, like, present it in the right way and it just kind of has its own... It's sort of like when you watch Chinatown and Chinatown just, like, feels like Hollywood from the 40s or whenever that mm-hmm. takes place. Like, this just feels like... I don't know, it just it, it feels genuine. Like, I I, don't know, I I love the way he films stuff. Do you but, think Mahal and Dry feels that way? Um... I mean Lynch. I, I would argue same thing with Inland Empire because they're basically like set in the same area, but mm-hmm. Lynch always always makes you feel like you are being transported to some other alternate reality of that thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like um, I feel like Mitchell like makes you feel like you are actually in the reality of you know like our world, just with these weird things added into it, mm. <clears throat> and there is some really weird shit, like some really. Like, overt supernatural stuff that happens in it. And it's never one of those things where you're meant to question the reality. It's one of those things where you're meant to, like, just try and understand how that stuff could exist. Almost like if it was a movie about, like, Bigfoot or whatever, like, um, like, cryptozoological things. Because that's part of the element of this movie is, like, these mythical beasts that exist that nobody believes in but are actually real. Mm -hmm. Well, there's one in particular in the movie. Um... And then, like, it's also a look at, like, how wealth allows you to do pretty much whatever you want and um, how some people are always going to be, like, outliers on looking into the, you know, the world of the wealthy and, like, no matter how much you try, you can never really, like, win in those environments. But it's um, it's good. It's a really good movie. Yeah.
0: No, I'll have to check that out. I can't remember where it's at right now. It's on Prime still. Is it
1: still on Prime? Yeah, but you got to buy it.
0: <clears throat> oh, right. That's why I didn't write because I was going to watch it, and that's what happened. Okay, so uh, n- another person uh, getting a lot of acclaim right now um, is Robert Eggers. Uh, mm. He's thirty-six years old. He has The Witch from two thousand and fifteen. Um, or what? What did you say? Pe- some people are.
1: It's it's like. For- a long time, people will call it the vavitch oh, because, because of the, the stylized W being the gotcha. two Vs. Okay. Right. So, The Witch from 2015
0: and then Lighthouse, that just came out a few weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really like both of these movies, like to one degree or another. Um, so, what, what do you find most interesting about Eggers?
1: I love the fact that, like, he becomes obsessive about the small details of a time period. Mm-hmm. So, when you watch The Witch... The witch doesn't have much scary in it necessarily. And honestly, like, up until the last third of the movie, like, maybe you're not even 100% certain there is anything supernatural happening. Like, it's kind of like just a family isolated in the woods type mm-hmm. thing. You know, and like, in the, whenever that takes place, like the 1500s, so completely devoid of any ability to, like, contact the outside world. Um, But the way it looks and the way it feels, like, it... it, it I mean, he directs these period pieces that are, I don't know, just so, like, accurate. Like, the lighthouse, the way they talk, the way they interact with each other, the way the... He films the interior shots and the exterior shots. Like, it feels like a lived-in, like, world. But he's got an amazing eye for, like, um, shot composition. Mm -hmm. Um, He does a fantastic job framing people against the background of nature to make nature feel, like, more imposing... Absolutely. Than it would be otherwise. Um, And he's really good at building an internal mythology that he doesn't beat you over the head with someone explaining over and over that he makes you kind of discover. And sometimes, like in the case of The Lighthouse, like he never tells you anything. Like it's all like assumption as to what's actually happening in that movie and what the end result and point of the movie is. Mm -hmm. Um, I... The more I think about the lighthouse, the more I like more it. More I like it. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. I was kind of shell shocked coming out of it. Mm-hmm. We had a weird experience because we watched this movie together at a local theater, and um, we had a weird experience because, um, they, so the it's a it's a flat ratio picture, so it's basically like a square, um, as opposed to anamorphic or scope or whatever, which stretches out across the whole screen. Um, so the film was projected in flat but they didn't close the curtains around the screen mm-hmm. so there were just these weird black areas to the left and right of the picture the whole time and it was really distracting and that on top of the fact that like the way that the film is scored with like the yeah. ambient sound there's like a foghorn that just sounds mm-hmm. constantly throughout the movie and it's really like it it's really unsettling like the whole time because like it never
0: It never lets up,
1: right? You never have a chance to let your brain rest for a moment, like watching this movie. Like it's constant, just
0: like that movie. Really, to some degree, stressed me out. Like it it, it was, it was so active in terms of, like you said, the sound, the score, and just the there's and then there's the tension level that's like underneath all of it between the two characters. And it just is a movie that does not let up, like whatsoever. You were much more distracted by the curtain thing than any of us were yeah that's partially i think it's partially because you work in a used to work in a theater right
1: just being a like a projectionist for such a long time like knowing what it's supposed to do and then wondering at some point like is this on purpose like is this how he wants the film to be shown like to make it even more like uncomfortable of a movie going experience Uh and the theater we saw it in i I'm not a fan of the seats. I mean, they have the reclining seats, but they're just a little off. Yeah. Like, on a comfort level, like sure. it's difficult to get a good a good viewing angle while still being comfortable in your seat. Like, you almost yeah. have to, like, sacrifice, like, the curve of your back to actually look at the screen full mm-hmm. on. Um, So, that's annoying, too. But, you know, I mean, I, but I yeah, don't the, know. I, I I love his visual aesthetic. I love...
0: Yeah, the, the thing about nature, you're, uh, I hadn't really thought about how both both of those movies cause, right because i watched the witch like whatever four or five months ago now <clears throat> but i hadn't thought about that like how how well he does use nature as 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 influencing the movie in some way like the isolation in both instances and i love how they're small like right. the, the movies are very small it's like what you got four characters in five in the witch well with the baby right Oh, the, then the, there's the twins, wish. the right. mother, father, and her. Oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah, so it's fine, yeah. Um. And then you have two in the lighthouse, which I think is even more impressive. Um, Like, just the fact you that... No, like,
1: six. It's her, the older brother, the twins, the mother, the father, and then the baby. And the baby, right, yeah. Um, I didn't know if you were counting the baby or not, but
0: I forgot about the... the there was two of the twins. Um,
1: But I like defoe and
0: Pattison in that movie are like lights out both of them. right
1: they're both amazing performances
0: like defoe's performance and some of those soliloquies that he has those monologues are insane like what he's able to do especially with that language yes um so i mean i think he has i mean not only is he casting i think good actors that like are really into the roles but it's like I think he probably, is, from what little sample size we have, I think he's probably really good with working with those actors in terms of directing them. So this guy has, just from the baseline of the movies, this guy has a lot of promise, I think. Yeah.
1: He might be, like, the most exciting director to me on the list. Or he's, like, 1A to another guy's 1B. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, like again, like I like just same thing with Jordan Peele. Like I love the fact that like he understands what makes a movie scary and understands what makes a mm-hmm. scene effective, and is married to the idea of making good horror movies. Right. Even though it's difficult to call the Lighthouse a horror movie, I mean the Lighthouse is more of like a surrealist, like psychological psychological, psychological thriller, thriller maybe thriller, or something. Yeah. I don't know, but like there's definitely horror <laughs> elements to it.
0: To me, it's much more in the vein of something like Repulsion that we talked about sure. like last month well. than um, anything else. But it's, it's still like a psychological horror to me,
1: right? The 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 witch is like straight up horror, sure. especially in the last third of the movie. But also has so sort of psychological yeah. elements
0: as too, even if it is, ends up being supernatural or something, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's um he's 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 a really talented guy. I'm, I'm I'm I agree with you. I'm really interested in anything that he does. Apparently, he's um looking to do a movie called the north man uh which is a vikings re- revenge saga that's set in the 10th century that's pretty cool um so, so it looks like i don't know if there's gonna be any supernatural elements there or not um so it'd be interesting to see if he does move away a little bit from that and just what he's gonna do if it's not horror related and it's more of like a action but i can't see him not adding some of those elements into something at this
1: point yeah,
0: but yeah, I can think of like 10th century like Vikings. I can see like the elements and stuff like that. Like I'm assuming the nature rule again, yeah. probably
1: grimy and gritty and bloody and mm-hmm. yeah. cold. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 pretty exciting. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um. So you
0: also have uh, Tika Waititi, um, who's 44 uh and he had uh what we do in the shadows in 2014 then he directed thor ragnarok in 2017 and then jojo rabbit this year
1: uh i haven't had the chance to see jojo rabbit yet but that movie looks insane
0: yeah no i saw the trailer and it's um yeah it's it's interesting um i but uh well i'm assuming it's uh Mostly what we do in the shadows, right? Is... Oh, but also Thor Ragnarok. Sure, I know you like that movie a lot. We talked about it on the Marvel kind of retrospective, and I know that's one of your... Yeah, it's one of my favorite yeah. of the Marvel
1: Universe. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the more... I mean, look, like all those movies are driven by their plot and how their plot interacts with whatever, like the rest of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of, like, interesting... Number one, he understands comedy well in the Mm -hmm. context of like a film like he's good at like putting in moments of levity that don't feel like because part of the problem with the marvel movies to me is that they have those i don't know like joke moments that seem to undercut like Mm -hmm. sometimes the tension of the movie or just kind of like take you out of it and i i think the star wars movies are guilty of that as well um whereas it felt more earned in thor just because of the way that like yeah i agree the setup and the way that like Thor's character has been portrayed and, and Hemsworth's portrayal of Yeah. I, I thought that Thor.
0: I thought that movie and um, the Guardians movies are the ones that were the most the comedy came about most naturally. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: Which is why it's interesting that they're pairing those characters together now, sure. I guess, going forward. Right. Um what we do in the shadows is really good vampire movie. Um Vampires in a carnival. It's it's just really well filmed. Um actually spawned a series that's out now that i haven't watched yet um i don't know if he has anything to do with that Mm. um but i like you know like i i really wanted to see jojo rabbit before we did this podcast and i just didn't have the chance to go or was too lazy i guess is probably the more truthful (laughs) admission um but just like the trailer of that alone like the fact that this guy that's been attached to a movie that made hundreds of millions of dollars can make something as weird. I mean JoJo Rabbit is like like Wes Anderson via John Waters, maybe or something. No, that that might not be a good example. But it just feels like such a like the look is aesthetically like a Wes Anderson movie, but the idea of like Hitler being this guy's like this kid's like moral conscience or whatever, right. I don't know. It's 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 a really weird concept and I'm really, really excited to to see it at some point. And I like his sensibility. Like, I just like him as a person. And um, I'm always glad when someone has, like, a good, almost, like, indie mindset to the way they film things. But they're allowed to make, like, big, Mm -hmm. you know, huge motion pictures. Yeah, I have no
0: idea how he ended up getting Thor Ragnarok. I don't know either. It's amazing to me sometimes where it's, like, people kind of have a movie to their to their name, or maybe a couple, and then it's like suddenly they're just like catapulted into taking over a billion-dollar franchise.
1: Maybe it was just because he's got kind of a lighthearted sensibility that they wanted to come yeah. completely the opposite direction from um, The Dark World or whatever, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. dour and, sure. and plotting and bad. or whatever.
0: Yeah, one of the worst movies, though, all those Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it truly is. Okay, so what is he doing he so next up he has coming out in 2020 something a movie called next goal wins which is a uh adaptation of a documentary i think about the american samoa soccer team Mm. who is like the worst in the world and then like actively tries to start taking steps to improve their ranking like on the global stage i guess um and then in 2021, he's also directing Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes. So he's directing the next Thor movie
1: again. So that'll be interesting too, because I think that picks up the um, the comic canon of uh, Jane Foster becoming it does. Thor. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see what he does with That's that. That's the only way they got Portman back. Apparently, was yeah. to
0: actually go that route. So.
1: <clears throat> okay.
0: Oh. Um, yeah. Now. So. You also have Oz Perkins on the list. He's 45 years old. He's the director of The Black Coat's Daughter from 2015
1: and I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House from 2016. You want to talk a little bit about him? Yeah, I really like Oz Perkins a lot. Um, He's another one similar to Eggers who I think just understands how to film a scene and build tension into it and... Make movies that are artistically challenging but still, like, good horror movies. Um, Black Coat's Daughter in particular, I think, is it's one of my favorite horror movies of the past, like, five years. <coughs> and mostly because, like, he understands, I think, how to build tension in a scene really well. Right. Um, and give you little kernels of what you need to understand what's going on without really like beating you over the head with it. Um I know you're not you're not a huge fan of um I am the pretty thing. Um I really like that movie a lot. Um I like that so I I think it's a really well-filmed movie. I think that it has a really good setup to the premise of what's basically like just a haunted house movie with a very small setting, very small cast. Um the protagonist is not particularly likable which I like in movies sometimes where it's not like it's almost daring you to find sympathy for the protagonist, which sometimes doesn't work. Um, but I think in this case, like I, I, I like that actress too. I can't remember her name, but the, the main actress in it, and she's in Black Coat's Daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Black Coat's Daughter is just like fantastic psychological horror movie that may or may not have any kind of like supernatural implication and by the end you kind of feel like it probably doesn't but then like you still aren't sure if it kind of borders like teeters on the line of like is it a possession movie is it a I don't know like a psychological horror movie about like psychosis and depression and just the way he films like this small school with like the snow sure. in the background
0: and I guess I'm not too worried about spoiling anything here uh, just to comment on that I took it as and I really liked the black horse daughter a lot I, I was I thought it was a really unique story and I won't like necessarily ruin the twist of it um but I, I do think it's a I, I saw it coming before it happened but it, right. it took me a while like you know I mean until um, to, I to realized what was going on
1: I think you figure it out with about 25 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, like if yeah. you're paying attention throughout the whole right. movie, you have enough information. I took to it, it.
0: I took it as possession at first, like yeah. like in the first part, and then in the second part, it's a psychosis that developed out of the previous. Like you know, um, so that she was possessed, lo- looking and to, to get back there, which is like really twisted and sick. Right. Like almost like looking to have it again because she felt loved for the first time um, <clears throat> in her life, uh, as
1: and felt seen and heard. Like right, she was important yeah yeah
0: so it's like i, I that's how i took it yeah. um and it was a really kind of really dour dark ending um of where that character's left at so i thought that was um i thought that was really good and i thought like the horror elements while well, a little bit more uh traditional in, in the way were still really well filmed yeah. and they had an artistic sensibility to them i really love the look of I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. I think it's extremely well filmed. I think he has a great eye, directorial eye. I think he has a great eye for cinematography. um, Like, how to, like, frame scenes. I really liked the first 20 minutes of that movie. Despite the protagonist, which I really did not like at all. And um, I thought that, like, her awkwardness did not make her likable. I think it made her off-putting. Yeah. And... But I love the way that it's filmed and then that movie just kind of goes off into what the story is. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I just could not find it interesting. Yeah.
1: And I really enjoyed that movie throughout the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's like I felt like I was um, watching a adaptation of The Yellow Wallpaper. Um, Which is what I enjoyed about it. Right, because we just dis- disagree on that short story um, in terms of our enjoyment at least yeah. of that short story, I think. I understand its importance and, you know, um, even the writing style I like, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the story.
1: I mean, it's just like the, the movie feels inevitable to me. Like, it feels like you're you keep waiting for her to find a way out of the situation she's in, but she's never going to get out of it because, I mean, she's built whatever, like her own circumstances herself, sure. which is one of the reasons why I think she needs to be Somewhat unsympathetic throughout the entire movie because you need to understand yeah. that like it's not just a ghost story. Right. It's like she's haunting herself basically, and she's sure. like putting herself in that position where that's really kind of what she wants. Yeah, is to basically be a ghost and just like fade away. Yeah, so. yeah. I again, I think it's more
0: of like the. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe. It. The, uh, yeah, I, uh, that one I liked much less. But he's definitely an interesting director.
1: Um, yeah, he does, He is a really talented filmmaker absolutely. in terms of like his yeah. his visual sensibilities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Black yeah, he, Code's Daughter I can't recommend high enough. I think Black Code's Daughter is.
0: Yeah, if you like horror movies, like it's like and I think it's a it's a horror movie that most people, regardless of what type of horror they like, could yes. find something to things to like about. Yeah, I agree like, with
1: that. Like, uh, yeah. Um, He has Gretel and Hansel coming up next year. Oh yeah, year. I'm so excited for that. The, we, I yeah. saw the trailer for that a couple times. I saw it. It was in front of um, uh, Ready or Not. And it was in front of uh, The Lighthouse. When we saw The Lighthouse. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they showed, it, I forgot because they showed us 20 trailers. Right, or something there was a, a lot of lighthouse. trailers. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. A lot of fucking horror. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, um, it's got, like, a really cool, like, I, I like the, the Black Forest-esque, like, look of it, and the fact that it kind of feels like, parts of it look like, like, a Brothers Quay video, almost. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't really give you very much, except that it looks like a retelling of the Hansel and Gretel myth, um, or fable, folktale, whatever. Um, but, like, I don't I'm, I'm super excited to see it. Yeah. I'm glad that he's getting, like, something that's going to be a mainstream release as well, as opposed to...
0: The Netflix. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, you also have another notable name right now, um, at least for this year, is um, Bong Joon-ho, um, who's 50, a uh, Korean director who directed Memories of a Murder in 2003, the host in 2006, mother in 2009. Snowpiercer uh, in 2013, Okja in 2017, and then Parasite this year, which is getting Oscar buzz for best foreign film. Um, yeah, it looks really good. That trailer's
1: Yeah, I really like the, the Parasite
0: trailer. Yeah, this is one I'm just going to let you go off on because like, I tried to find a bunch of his movies and they were all behind paywalls. Yeah, it's disappointing and, because... And, or not there. Not like there. A, yeah, not Mother there. and
1: uh, Memories of a Murder, like, I could not find anywhere right. to watch it The them host again.
0: is up on Tubi right now, but you also told me that the host is like not if i'm going to watch one of them it's, that's not the one to watch
1: so just because like i feel like i know your sensibilities well enough and i don't know that you would enjoy it cuz it's like a comedy horror right well it, it they cast a famous comedian that's right, you told korean me comedian mm-hmm. to be the he's like a physical comedian i guess yeah i think this is right and i it's been a long time since i watched the host um so it's a lot of slapstick with him set against mm-hmm. like a pretty bleak um, combination of like maybe Outbreak and like a kaiju type movie like a giant monster style movie Um, I, I like the host a lot but so Memories of Murder is only recently off of one of the streaming services because when we did the um, shit what did we watch it was when we were, we did crime movies at one point and I thought about putting Memories of a Murder on there because it's a really great procedural crime movie based on like real killings in um south korea in the Mm -hmm. 80s or 90s i think um and really like just bleak because like it ends with them not solving the murders and the murders have never been solved i guess um but just showing like this the bumbling nature of like provincial cops who don't understand procedure and this young like detective who wants to do things the right way kind of the same feeling as like um citizen x right yeah <clears throat> um yeah. and also you know based on a true story
0: yeah you don't know my sensibilities because that is like something that feels like it's right in my wheelhouse right you would stuff. i
1: you would love memories of a murder right. memories of murder is incredibly right. well done and right. really fucking like it builds you up right. and then just like punches you in the gut because like you think they're gonna get it and yeah. then they don't and you're like oh but like this time and then they don't
0: because as much as I hate uh, television procedurals like C- CSI and all that right. kind of stuff, like I love a procedural like book or movie, um, like things that are yeah. like get really into like the actual investigation of stuff, and yeah.
1: and then Mother Mother's one of my favorite movies like the mid two thousands, um, woman taking revenge on people that have abused like her, her mentally handicapped son um incredibly well filmed like some really like just amazing like cinematography in that movie um and the great performance in the main actress um i like snowpiercer a lot like i think snowpiercer is a pretty visually stunning movie um it's maybe a little too i don't know do you remember the episode of Battlestar Galactica where they're, like, there's all of a sudden, like, a mining operation, like, on the ship? Yes. Yeah, just, it's just like there's the
0: episode where there's suddenly this underworld gambling then right. too. Yeah. They, they... So, it's
1: kind of like that. That's, like, the premise, almost, that, like, there's this train that continuously cycles around, like, the, I I, I can't remember what continent they're on. Um, And then there's the haves and have-nots, and, but it's really well-filmed. Um, the one is an animated movie that like set all kinds of records in South Korea for like all kinds of box office records. Um, I've never seen that one, but I almost didn't include him because he's been making movies for so long. I mean, he's coming up on 20 years now of like making movies, but I think that at least in this country, he still is kind of on that borderline of being like sort of unknown that he's somebody that, especially with Parasite coming out, I think it's really important to get people like to to recognize his name and understand that that's probably going to be a really important movie to see this year, right? Because because
0: that's getting a theatrical release in America, right? Like that's yeah. why they're
1: tra- that's why they're showing a trailer, right? Yeah, I can't remember when it comes out. Yeah, I don't think it comes out until February actually, but mm-hmm. it's like a limited release in December, I think. Gotcha. I might be wrong about that, yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty sure when I looked it up, that's what I saw. Yeah,
0: I thought the trailer looked pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, I, I wish I could have found one of those other movies that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely watch them if I, they become available.
1: Yeah, me- Memories of a Murder, for you specifically, yeah. is the one that I would say you'd want to see. But Mother, you said, is like... The mother is so good. Yeah. mother's heartbreaking, too, and it's just like... I don't know, man. There's some there, there. There's some great shit in that movie. So that's
0: the one that, like, if, if you recommend that people want to check out something yeah, if, from him.
1: But I also think, like, I, I think if you are okay with, like, a little bit of comedy in your horror and you like, like, monster movies, the host is really good, too. Yeah. That was, the host is the first movie of, Memories of Murder is the first movie of his I saw, but I didn't know who he was. Sure. And I had no idea. Well, he, he only has, like, one
0: or two before that, I think.
1: And then mm-hmm. the host is one that was one of those, like, DVD releases where I was just like, oh, like. It's got some Asian dude's name on it. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. And so it was like a complete surprise to me. And it wasn't until like I watched Mother like the next year that I was like, oh, that's the same guy as like these other two uh-huh. movies. Um, yeah, but yeah, those those three specifically are, are amazing and all all yeah, are, wa- are he, worth he's watching. He's definitely the uh, one that's been
0: in making movies the longest out of all these people um, overall.
1: Yeah, and um, I think he's also maybe the oldest um as well, but or, yeah, he was hard to put to on the list. Because again, like I thought about putting like Park Chan Wook on the list, but I mean he's been making movies for twenty five years now or whatever. Yeah, yeah, close plus to plus twenty
0: years, yeah, roughly. But yeah, and he also is pretty prolific as well. He like he has like uh like ten almost ten movies
1: to his yeah. to his name, and he's had movies that have been remade in English, so it's kind of right. hard to yeah, yeah. But uh, Snowpiercer is on Netflix, if anybody's interested.
0: But Snowpiercer is worth watching, if, yeah. if you have time. I, I enjoyed that movie. Okay, um, so another director you have on your list is Ari Aster, mm-hmm. uh, one of the younger ones on the list. He's 33 years old, and uh, he has Heredity from 2018. Hereditary. Then mid- Hereditary. What did I say? Heredity. Heredity. Oh. Hereditary from 2018, and then Midsummer from 2019. Yep um so
1: yeah i've only seen the first of these movies um hereditary um midsummer is difficult for me to talk about um because i i love the way midsummer looks and i think that the first 60 percent of midsummer is fantastic and then i feel like he gets too lost in his own, I don't know, I, it's it's hard to explain, like, it's just like, it, like, builds to this point, and then it never pays it off in some ways. Like, it gives you little hints of things, and upon, like, its release on video, like, people have found now that there's a bunch of hidden stuff in it, like, there's a bunch of faces and figures and stuff that are in the background, And the idea is more or less like a young girl, like, coming to terms with loss, basically. Um, But he's... uh, Hereditary, specifically, like, is one of my... That's another one that I just think is one of the greatest horror movies. It's interesting that you describe it like that, because I thought,
0: Hereditary, the same thing was going to happen. What you just described, where it was like, there's these hints that, like, aren't going to really pay off. And then the whole thing in the last 15 minutes goes insane, right? And pays, and every pays everything off, of right? Yeah.
1: So, but hereditary is another one where if you watch that movie, and I've seen that movie four times now, I guess. Mm. Um, there are subtle things all through the movie where you can see that there's these figures like watching this family mm-hmm. and kind of like moving events in their own direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love that kind of shit. Like, I love the stuff in the background. I love when a director is so invested in the story that they are like giving you like extra layer upon layer and not just telling you a story but like building like an undercurrent to it um but it really is about like the dynamic of you know I mean the the framing events of the movie are like the death of you know the fa- members of the family like starting with mm-hmm. the grandmother figure and then like pretty much every member after that except yeah. for there's the one. Son. Of-
0: that that movie i was laying down on the couch watching it that that movie had a moment with one of the deaths that made me literally the first time i've reacted like that in a long time to a movie because i'm not i'm non-plus most of the time with movies like i'm not shocked made me stand up like like shoot up like out of there because i was not expecting it yeah um and yeah like that like, and anybody that can do that to me, like, um, is, is somebody that I'm interested so, in. So,
1: there's a couple deaths in Midsummer that are like that. Yeah. There's one particular scene that lasts for about 15 minutes that's so uncomfortable. And it happens about halfway through the movie. And when it happened in the theater, I was, like, legitimately, like, e- like excited for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. I was like, oh, my God, this shit is amazing. Mm-hmm. And he films the movie really well. Like, it's beautiful because it's these bright colors and... It's in this village in, I guess it's Sweden or Norway or something. Um, Bright colors and bright sun, you know, because that's yeah. the whole premise. Is that reminded,
0: like, me, it reminded me from the trailer at the beginning of Ron.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that in it. A lot yeah. of that look. Um, It's just, again, like, I just feel like... He's like Jordan Peele in the sense that... He needs someone that can come in and say, "Let's take this out. Mm. Let's expand on this. You need more of this stuff in here and less of this stuff." I mean, they released a director's cut of it theatrically that's like close to three hours long, or like is mm. three hours long. I haven't watched that yet, and I I really want to, but I don't. I always just feel like, man, I don't know if I can invest that time.
0: Yeah, he has an interesting um, list as well in terms of his favorite movies overall. Uh, really, just stuff rosemary's baby which was the same as peel which is interesting right. but um fanny alexander persona really a matter of life and death the eighty two eighty three version of the thing 45 years a brighter summer day the age of innocence in the mouth of madness the piano teacher eight and a half and repulsion <laughs> um which is a pretty interesting
1: it's a good list yeah it's weird that like i'm not a huge eight and a half fan yeah. I always feel bad saying that because it's like one of the cornerstones of like cinema. Really, it is. But like, I would watch like La Strada or La Dolce Vita or Satyricon if I was going to watch a Fellini over eight and a half. I mean, eight and a half is good, and Marcello Mastroianni is like amazing in eight and a half and Anokami. But um, I don't know, man. It's just like yeah. there's something about Fellini. Like, give me Godard. Like, I'll watch like Jean Luc Godard all day. Instead of like Fellini, yeah, I guess I don't know. I like that he's got Bergman, uh, several Bergman on there though. That, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, Persona is such a fucking gut punch movie. Yes. Like, man, that movie is so rough to watch. Yeah, some of the, like I, we're really getting off topic, but like some of the most effective use of dialogue with nothing but two mm-hmm. people talking mm-hmm. that still like makes your skin crawl when you hear it. Like, it's crazy how good that movie is. Who is yep. that? Liv Almond. Maybe is in that movie. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm. This is another guy like alongside like Oz Perkins, Robert Eggers that like I just can't wait to see like what he does next because even though Midsummer was really complicated for me and I had a lot of mixed emotions coming out of that movie to the point where like I got really drunk that <laughs> night and wouldn't stop talking about it and I was so angry. But I wasn't really angry. I think I was just like confused about what I had seen and like what I felt like coming out of it, and I don't know. But it's um, he's he's just he's he's great. Like he's got a great eye for set design and like shot composition and like showing you things without showing you anything. I don't know. He's 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 good. I like him a lot. Yeah. And again, another guy that's like really firmly rooted in horror so he's like bringing attention and acclaim to a genre that's like typically shit on so yeah he doesn't really have anything upcoming right now he's
0: mentioned in an ama that either he's going to do like a either a comedy he thinks um or a drawing room drama that's interesting undecided
1: he he could do He could do, like, a period piece, like a a drawing room drama, if that's Mm -hmm. the term. Um, He could do that really well. Like, he's he's amazing at filming interior spaces. Mm -hmm. Like, the inside of that house in Hereditary and the inside of, like, the treehouse. And then the bunkhouse scenes in Midsummer are fucking amazing. Like, he's really good at, like, using natural light and, like, just capturing... The look and feel of, like, the materials that have been used to construct the thing. Which is one of the interesting things about Hereditary because it's focused so much on Tony Collette as the um, the mother who builds these miniatures to try and, like, contextualize her life by, like, recreating it and, like, her minutiae of, like, the materials and stuff. And I think that's partially the way that he sees things and why he's so good at, like, filming that stuff. But, yeah, yeah I like him a lot. Okay, so
0: um, as we're about halfway through this list right now, I just want to take a moment to go ahead and plug um, what we're getting ready to uh, do in the next month or so. So starting in two weeks at the end of November, uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend, we're going to start doing the top five movies in 1969. And then in three of the four weeks out of December, we're going to be doing 1979, 1989, 1999 um, and kind of ending the year on looking back at like these um, you know uh, these uh, years that end in nine um, and the top five movies there and then we'll be moving on to whole new stuff in the, no- in the new year um, with different uh, episodes we've developed so far if anybody has any ideas though because we're still plotting that out please let us know you can contact us on Facebook you can contact us on Instagram Um, or you can email us at uh, 2guys5movies. That's the two and five numerals, uh, 2guys5movies at gmail.com. You can contact us uh, through any of those whatsoever um, through our Facebook page or Instagram as well. Uh, Thank you for all the people that are loving Frank's coaster art um, that he draws at the bar. Uh, We've been putting those up on Instagram in terms of promotion, and um, people have been... Following along with that pretty pretty well over the past week and a
1: half since we started that, so just give me a reason to drink.
0: <sighs> so the next person on your list is Denis Villeneuve. Thank you to YouTuber The Seven Butterflies for teaching me how to pronounce that. Huh. Um, this is another one that's um, been around for a while. Really, first movie was 1998. Really hasn't started gaining a lot of notoriety until like the past like five or six years. With Sicario in 2015, The Arrival in 2016, and then Blade Runner 2049 in 2017. Um,
1: I'm assuming it's Blade Runner really that is the one that stands out. I like, I out like Sicario and The Arrival. They're yeah. both good movies. Uh-huh. Um, but Blade Runner 2049 is a masterpiece. Like one of the best movie going experiences i've had in like many years on 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 par with like seeing like fury road or once upon a time in hollywood mm-hmm. um just a uh, for something that could have been such like a colossal failure when you consider making a sequel to a movie fuck, what's blade runner like 84 or something like 82, that 82 i think yeah, yeah so you know almost like shit almost like 40 years after its original release, um, and capturing the feel of the world in a perfect way, um, building, like, a <clears throat> just the, the, the way that he builds the universe in that movie and, like, the way that he films it and just some amazing sequences, um, and gives me a lot of excitement. The reason that he's on this list, I mean, aside from the fact that I like him as a director, is because of, um, his upcoming, uh, Reboot of the Dune franchise. Yeah, um, I just think that the way the guy, just his visual aesthetic and the way that he films things, I think that he'll do an amazing job on Dune and Dune in terms of like a cinematic experience. I think could be amazing. Yeah, because um, <clears throat> I like Lynch's Dune like a lot, and I like the way that he visualized the world. But I also think that it's his own, like it doesn't necessarily feel. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I, I think that Villeneuve will do, like, a really great job with it. Um, but Blade Runner, just so fantastic. Like, such a great movie. Um, the quickest, I mean, how long is that movie? Like, two hours and 45 minutes? Something like that, yeah. Like, the quickest two hours and 45 minutes, maybe, that I've ever sat through in a theater. Like, it just flew by. Like, it felt like that movie took no time at all.
0: Yeah, I didn't bitch about it. I don't think. I don't. I don't remember bitching about it. Normally, if it's two hours and forty-five minutes, like I, I, I end up like saying something about the running time on it. But um, yeah, you're right. It was really well paced. I thought for that two forty-five, and we talked about this in what the the best sequels of the two thousands. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, so it's, it's it's an old episode, probably like the fifth or sixth
1: episode that we did, right, like like forty-seven episodes ago or something like <laughs> right, that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, like I, his, I think Sicario is a really well done movie. And I think it's a really He's got this way Of filming like desolate places That is just really it, it I don't know they they feel desolate Like he can film Like the way that he films um The Vegas sequences in Blade Runner mm-hmm. <clears throat> The visuals of it are amazing um. The way he films the Like the closing sequence basically Like the fight and the car and the rain And like the aqueduct or whatever that's just The way the waves, I don't know, it's just, it's, he's so good at, like, you know, like, from the conception of, like, a scene to, like, the realization, it's just, Mm -hmm. he's he's really fantastic, and I'm super excited to watch that Dune movie.
0: Yeah, I would normally not be excited about Dune at all, but after seeing Blade Runner, and what he did with that, and how I thought he was able to craft a new story but while still paying homage to the original movie and capturing that mythology makes me think that he can actually adapt dune effectively normally i would just think it was like i would just think dune's to some degree unfilmable um but I, i i'm really interested to see what he can do with it the casting decisions that he's making so far are really good and it makes me think that he understands those characters and i'm not like a big dune fan necessarily like i like the first three books and then i i was told to stop after that and i never read
1: anything beyond those but i i liked all those well enough that story of paul Andrade's, um it's interesting because i'm pretty anti-dune like i'm not a huge science fiction fan yeah and especially in terms of literature like i and we talk about
0: dune during the lynch dune during the lynch episode yeah which is also a long time ago now and um yeah i rewatching that like i was not a fan
1: like i just i i it, it kind of reminds me of i don't know like, not at all plot wise or anything but the aesthetic reminds me of like tron mm. in the sense of just like a very art deco yeah look at like that kind of stuff and i I'm, I'm i'm a sucker for that yeah in a lot of ways but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it'll be great. Yeah.
0: Okay, so next on your list is S. Craig Zahler. who's 46 years old. He a um, director, novelist, musician. He kind of does like a little bit of everything. His movies are Bone Tomahawk, which we talked about in the best modern westerns episode um, from uh, the winter, I think. Yeah. Um, it's probably in the 20s episode 20 something and then um that's 2015 then brawl and cell block 99 is 2017 then dragged across concrete was 2018 and then he i just found out from you the other like one last month that he wrote the puppet master the littlest reich in 2018 right. but he did not direct that he uh. just wrote it um <clears throat> so yeah like what do you have to say about zoller
1: um So this is a guy where, like, I really appreciate, like, his multimedia presence or whatever, because I think he's a fantastic novelist. Um, I've read two of his books. Um, Shit, I can't even remember. A Congregation of Jackals and... Fuck. The one with, like, the rescuing the girls from the prostitutes' den in Mexico. I made you read it right and i i initially like put
0: the book down and wouldn't read it and then i finally finished it like yeah. a month later i think or two months later but um I can't because remember the It's called now because you wouldn't you didn't warn me about like the 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 dog like the dog death like yeah. the, the gratuitous dog death like in the book and like, so i was angry at you and then and then i eventually finished it but yeah
1: um but as a director he's he's great. Um and even like his script for that Littlest Reich, not a good movie. I mean it's a Puppet mm-hmm. Master movie, so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But like the script like shows an understanding of like character development and just having the characters say small things that like imbue them with a sense of humanity. They're not just like props, which is of the failing of a lot of like Z grade horror movies like Puppet mm-hmm. Master. Um Bone Tomahawk, one of my favorite movies of the past decade. Um, one of the best Westerns ever, I think. Um, especially from, like, the idea that it really is a horror movie, but it also really works as just, like, a standalone, like, Western film. Um, and Dragged Across Concrete is maybe, like, 15 minutes too long, but it's still a really good, solid, like, neo-noir, um, crime thriller. Um, great performance from Mel Gibson in it, um just really solid like crime movie. Um and I like the fact that he can like number one anybody that in like likes the western genre is okay by me. Like I wish there were more westerns cuz I love westerns. Um but he also can translate that same sensibility that he has in Bone Tomahawk to a movie like Dragged Across Across Concrete which has some really interesting stuff in it. The one thing that he does that I find really curious is that he's big on building up a character and making you care about him and then killing them right so that like unexpectedly killing them yeah um which is a really effective you know um whatever technique but is also like kind of infuriating sometimes but he does it in Drag across concrete where he like builds up this character for I don't know, 30 minutes, and you really feel like they're going to have, like, an impact on the movie just to kill them, and mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy when it happens, but it also right. lends, like, a feeling of, like, high stakes to his movies sure. where, like, actions have consequences and things matter, and, right, you know, you can never be too comfortable with, like, thinking that someone's gonna, like, come out okay from things, which mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy, but... Um, I, I think he's a brilliant writer. I think he's really fantastic at crafting dialogue and like building internal tension in scenes like through the words and actions of his, his characters. And I just really like him a lot. Yeah,
0: Bone Tomahawk, uh, we, we both raved about this movie um, during that Modern Westerns because I had not seen it at that point and you told me to watch it and I did not know what I was getting into. And I, I still remember, like, last winter, like, sitting out on, like, the couch here, watching on my iPad, thinking I was going to watch, like, 45 minutes and then go to sleep and then, you know, finish it the next day. And, like, I was up until, like, 3 o'clock just watching that movie because I was captivated by it. And literally the first movie that has made me sick to my stomach with one scene in, I don't even know, maybe like the most i've ever been like almost like physically ill from like watching a scene like so in terms of some of the gratuitous violence at times like you definitely i don't know if dragged across concrete it does it does yeah Yeah, it's got some rough stuff in it um definitely something you need to be aware of with this guy is that um his, his novels are exactly the same um the one i read
1: he's very hard-boiled in like the purest sense of the word
0: yeah um so if you're if you're uncomfortable with some of that stuff like you might want to avoid the guy just because it's it can it's a it's a bit much but extremely effective and well well earned to some degree like it's it's doing it for reasons it's not just doing it to be gratuitous necessarily like there's reasons for it and um a lot of times it's basically to build up the villain, um, uh, often, like the, the level of yeah, violence. Yeah, I mean, that's the
1: reason why it's done in Dragged Across Concrete.
0: Yeah, and the same thing in Bone Tomahawk, is to show you like what a dire situation it is that they're actually in.
1: I feel like I watched another one of his movies, too, but I can't remember which one it was. I don't know. I've enjoyed but,
0: everything I've seen of his. So. Yeah. Um, so his next movie is he wrote the screenplay for The Brigands of Rattle Creek. And Um, Chanwook Park is directing that. Oh, nice. So, um, and is being described as an ultra-violent western. Nice. So, um, yeah, that should be an interesting combination because Zoller is starting to get a reputation because the far left, like in terms of um reviewers, do not like Zoller at all, like um, for many different reasons. But I think a lot of it has to do with the violence yeah. in some ways. But he also doesn't. And then he he kind of fed into it a little bit by casting Gibson. Um like he knew what he was doing when he right. casted Mel Gibson. No, yeah, you can tell. And and he because he um quickly got criticized for Bone Tomahawk, we talked about this on that podcast in terms of like being criticized for the way he portrays Indians as savages. Right. Um, even though the town scholar is an is a Native American and like, you know, like and, and we talked about that and how like it was the criticism was a little absurd. Um so yeah, he he definitely has taken on almost like what what's his name from Conan? The guy that directed uh Milius.
1: Oh John Milius, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like he's not quite to that level, but he certainly has this kind of center right yeah. like disposition to his storytelling sometimes and um Well only because and his personality.
1: He's not like John Milius was very like political sure. in his decisions. Right. He was very pro war, yeah. like very pro war. Where where Zoller I think has been cast on that side
0: by like by no doing of his own necessarily right yeah
1: I mean I love Sam Peckinpah like Wild Bunch is one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies and Zoller to me is like almost like the spiritual successor mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. like in terms of American cinema like that feel of like his movies he doesn't have anywhere near the same directorial style as Peckinpah like they're very different from that perspective but just like sensibility wise like he's very much you know in that vein and like i i, I yeah. really liked everything i've seen from him so yeah. man that's so exciting
0: yeah no it's, yeah. it's um okay so next on your list is Damien leone who i can find absolutely no information about online about him personally um he directed uh all hallows eve which is an anthology of his shorts kind of like weaved together with like kind of like some new footage um, that try to makes it a little more cohesive and then that's 2013 and then the major movie on the list here that he did is Terrifier which is a concept from one of those shorts that he makes a full motion uh, picture uh, a full-length movie about yeah Um, and then he upcoming he has Terrifier 2 coming up here in the yeah. next couple years at some point it's, it's this year it's, well, it's 2020 right yeah do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about Terrifier,
1: I guess? Um, I Is it Leone or Leone? I don't know. Anyway, um, I love Terrifier. Terrifier was a movie that kept getting recommended to me on various streaming platforms, and I avoided for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a killer clown movie, and I find those movies to be kind of lame, typically. Um, but I was off and had nothing to do and just was like, well, I might as well just watch this stupid movie and was really, like, blown away by how good it is. <clears throat> and look, it doesn't shy away from his concept, and I think it even, like, recognizes how ridiculous its concept is. But the way that Leon, like, pulls... Uh, number one, the actor that plays um Art the Clown, which is the main, like, villain in the Terrifier the physicality of like that performance and just the way that like Leon like films him and captures him like moving sometimes like sort of out of focus and sometimes like in distinct focus just like this amazing I don't know like understanding of how to make you uncomfortable as a viewer kind of like in a lot of ways reminds me of um like early John Carpenter just in the way, like, he understands, like, how he needs to film people and, like, shoot angles where there's an artistry to it, but it still is, like, gruesome. Um He's definitely the most over-the-top, uh, maybe next to Zoller, but Zoller's a lot more pretentious, not pretentious, but artsy about it. But, like, in terms of, like, the physical violence that he films, Um he filmed a weird, like, frankenstein versus the mummy movie a few years ago Mm -hmm. um that i think i described to you as like imagine the cw hired kevin williamson to direct like a movie about frankenstein and like it was actually okay because it's better than it has any right to be Mm -hmm. um i i I love the fact that you can tell like he's firmly influenced by 90s like straight to video z-grade horror movies and he captures the feel of those While still, like, elevating it somewhat To something better than What those things are Um, and Terrifier in particular, like It tries to play around with, like, plot twists And stuff, and, I mean, I guess, like <clears throat> I guess it sort of Does that, but At its core, it's really just You know, it's 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 a stalker Slasher movie with a Immortal, whatever Like, antagonist, but just really well done <clears throat>
0: Yeah, so the Terrifier was much better than I thought it was going to be as well. Even though you told me you thought it was good, I still didn't believe you because it was a killer clown. Right. And I think that I think the concept of that that clown, like the way he looks and stuff like that, is really well done and very menacing. I thought that some of the plot elements were silly, but that's probably going to come with any kind of stalker, yeah, slasher again. type thing. And again, I'll warn people that there is some there's violence in here that borders on like the torture porn type stuff right. at it's, times. It's, it's it's highly gratuitous. That um <clears throat> that is that is not there to me for effect other than to just be gratuitous violence. Right. Um it's not it's not like Zoller. Uh but but that is there for pe- like because Terrifiers on Netflix, it's really easily accessible right now. And um but I thought from a filmmaking standpoint, like yes, the guy definitely has a keen sense and understanding of like how to film horror and I don't like slasher movies we spent 10 months determining that overall (laughs) I don't like slasher movies that much um I like Halloween but like most of them I don't like and um I thought this was really effective overall so I mean yeah I'm he's filming on dv like for all this stuff which gives it a certain look that um could be better I think like I mean it has a certain effect that air that uh, that that makes it a little bit more realistic i guess filming on yeah. digital but at the same time like um there's some things on digital that just look sh- like shit
1: um right but I mean again i I believe that's on purpose and and a, and an homage to like just a certain era of horror. I think that's probably true but it's like um
0: <clears throat> but yeah i mean he's it's it's, a, it's a, yeah he's, he's 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 talented i'll I'll give him that um even though I know. I can find nothing about him.
1: Yeah, Terraf so All Hallows Eve he made two short films in Oh nine and eleven, maybe. Yeah. And then All Hallows Eve takes those two short films and interweaves them through a bookend storyline <clears throat> into like a really fractured like narrative. I mean it's 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 not a good anthology movie, but it's it's a horror anthology. They're all kinda mm-hmm. like that for the most part. Except for the rare few that really kinda like rise above like trick-or-treat or whatever which is better or well, like one of the first vhs movie which is better in terms of its like external narrative um but like you should see flashes of brilliance in it too like you can see like where he's sure <clears throat> like what he'll eventually hone into like terrifier um through those movies yeah you're absolutely right
0: i mean i i bitched about that to you the other night as i was watching it on tubi because um, all hollows eve is on tubi for free and so is um the other one you mentioned the
1: frankenstein versus the mummy
0: right so they they're on to be for free right now but um i watched all hollows eve and i was not a big fan of it at all yeah but um i like the stuff with that character the clown character that, in the one short because it was just kind of similar to terrifier but you see you're right you see glimpses of 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 what his strengths are i think as, yeah. as a horror director in that and um i just wasn't a fan i mean of, i've like, watched the so other many, shorts i was not a fan of i've like,
1: watched so many of those movies that when i find one that's got yeah. like kernels of brilliance like i'm still impressed
0: i have a feeling that it's like i could appreciate the guy as a director it's like depending on what he does after Terrifier, after he finishes up and tries to do something different it's like depending
1: on what the story is i feel like i could dislike what he's doing i'm interested Um, to see like where else he goes sure if he's just a one-trick pony or if there's more to him than that yeah okay so next on your list is um karen kazuma
0: uh she's 51 years old she has Aeon Flux, the um, adaptation in 2005 to her credit, Jennifer's Body in 2009, um, a number of episodes of Hold and Catch Fire uh, that she did, and then The Invitation in 2015, which I'm sure you're going to focus on, mm-hmm. and then Destroyer in 2018. So. I really
1: wanted to see Destroyer. I, it was one of those things where like, I almost went to see it one day. And then something happened, and I ended up, like, not going to the theater, and then it got out of the theater, so now I'm just kind of waiting to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked good. Um, Jennifer's Body, I think, is kind of an underrated horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that was, uh, what's her, the, the flash and the pan, Diablo Cody, right? Yeah, Diablo wrote Cody it. wrote it. Yeah. And it, it
1: was Megan Fox's, like, right vehicle yeah. after um, Transformers, like, when she was, like, the, the sex symbol of, like, that sure. brief time period um much better movie than people give it credit for honestly like it's 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 really like it's it's not a great movie but it's fine and it's well done um the invitation is one of those movies that just randomly watched um it was on Netflix and I was like well you know I'll check this out and was really blown away just by how great it is in terms of again like building a narrative around making you learn about a group of people and then like holding the narrative long enough while giving you slight hints of like something being like off kilter and then just like completely like dropping like all this craziness in the middle of like this, which should just be like a normal environment. Um Pretty, pretty well hidden, not, not hidden plot twists, but like it's one of those movies again where you're not entirely certain if it's gonna pay it off, or if it's like, yeah. <clears throat> is this all in this guy's head? Like, sure, you know, the, but it
0: keeps you on study the entire movie.
1: Yeah, um, but really well filmed, and I, I love movies that take place in small settings and mm-hmm. still manage to feel like complete and expansive in their ideas. And I think that she does a really great job with it. Um, and just the way she films at night, the way she films mm-hmm. like darkness—it's there. All, it's all really good. Yeah, I thought a lot of the interior shots, like, once,
0: like, it's nighttime, and it's, like, you can tell, you can even see, like, the change, which I, just thinking about this now, she does a really good job with lighting where, like, the internal lighting of the house, (coughs) excuse me, where you can see... It's getting later at night. Like, yeah. more lights are coming on. And, like, it's 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 really interesting how she does that. And, like, actually, like, it's almost like the lighting signifies, like, how late it's getting, like, right. into the night.
1: And nice that it builds into, like, the dawn, which is typically mm-hmm. the signifier that, like, characters have made it through, like, whatever sure. terrible situation they're in. Yeah. But doesn't give you that release that they mm-hmm. actually survived because then you're, like, there's a small visual cue. It's yeah. not even that small. There's a visual cue at the end of the movie where you realize, like, mm-hmm. the horror was much more expansive. Right. Um, it's something that, like, the Purge movies, I think, try to mm-hmm. capture, and maybe they don't necessarily. And there's another movie from around that time, like 2009 to 2011, somewhere there, called The Signal, which is similar. Not in terms of, like, plot, but, like, similar in terms of, like, just the general idea. Um, that tries to do the same thing, but she does a fantastic job with it here, and it's um, it's really well done. Yeah, I agree. Really worth watching. Yeah, it's a good movie.
0: Um, her, up next, she has coming out in it. Just it's filming right now, like in the fall of nineteen. Um, it's a Nicole Kidman vehicle called Breed. It follows a wealthy New York couple who turns to a controversial Eastern European fertility clinic to conceive when all other conventional methods fail 10 years later the name nightmare side effects of the procedure begin to manifest so it looks like it's another horror movie that's
1: interesting um so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested to see that yeah. i can't remember who it's not Julianne Moore. i can't remember who the main actress is in destroyer the trailer for destroyer was phenomenal yeah and i was really disappointed that i didn't get to what see did it that the what's that
0: about i didn't read into that
1: I want to say, now this is probably like wrong because I, again, I didn't see it, but it's like a woman who was like some sort of like police officer or military, whatever, um, who had some, maybe some kind of PTSD. I, I don't know. I'm probably wrong completely. Trailer was really impressive. That's all I know. I'm going to find a plot description real quick. As a young cop,
0: Aaron Bell went undercover to infiltrate a gang in the California desert with tragic results. Bell continues to work as a detective for LAPD, but feelings of anger and remorse leave her worn down and consume my guilt. When the leader of that gang suddenly reemerges, Aaron embarks on an obsessive quest to find her former associates, bring him the justice, and make peace with her tortured past. Yeah. It's Nicole Kidman that's in it.
1: No, it looked really effective. It's the other redhead. Um, yeah, okay, all right. So,
0: you also have uh Jeremy Zolnay. um, he's 43 years old. He has Murder Party from 2007, uh, to his credit, Blue Ruin from 2013, Green Room 2015, and then Hold the Dark, um, from 2018. I haven't seen Hold the Dark. It's, uh, I have next to it written Netflix Supernatural Nature Wolf Shit. Um, so I must have oh, it right, up, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, it, it's on my queue, but I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it feels like a movie that I have no interest in. Yeah, I think that's why I haven't watched it. Mm. Um, Murder Party is a fun, it's really short. It's like, like 70 minutes long or something. Yeah. Um, pretty fun, like, horror comedy. Uh, where the, it's a lot of, like, gratuitous, like, horror but it's 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 a decent concept of a guy that like just wants to go out and like find some people to hang out with on Halloween cause he has no friends and ends up like getting like wrapped up with these psychopaths mm. who just want to murder somebody like that's what they're looking for somebody to kill like on Halloween um, Blue Ruin is phenomenal and a really like unsettling look at Mental health and mental illness, and again, like the perception of reality by someone who's suffering from like some sort of like trauma or like mental illness. Um, really uncomfortable movie, really well filmed, really kind of sad. Um, and Green Room again, like just he's he's good at like. So, you asked me like some commonalities among these directors, and one of the things that, like, I'm like, as we're talking about it. They're all people that understand that like the characters matter mm-hmm. in a movie. Like that it matters that you are invested in some way in the people you're watching commit like acts on the screen. And it's something that like for a long time, you know, especially people making horror movies or action movies or crime movies or whatever, they would give you like caricatures and then have just like set pieces based around these caricatures. Sure look at something like um kiss of death is a good example of that the um nicholas cage uh yeah, yeah, yeah. david caruso, david caruso vehicle, yeah, uh-huh. where it's like samuel L. jackson's cop cries he's got like or not no, Jackson, he, he, um, he has
0: a wound on his eye and it weeps yeah it weeps. like uh, yeah it's so like, it always looks yeah. like he's crying right yeah
1: or nicholas cage is like the buff like Prime lord and it's like bench pressing half-naked women yeah models or Uh strippers and it's like you're not really building characters you're just like showing people doing things and that's supposed to like make you care
0: right well it's because they read a script writing book and like the script writing books tell them like tell people oh give a care give a give a character a trait to make them unique and it's like they they don't actually incorporate the trait into the character. It doesn't matter from a storytelling standpoint. It ends up just being this thing that makes them quirky almost. And yeah, it doesn't come off very well. But I see what you're saying, which I, now that you said that, it's like, yeah, Green Room does a really good job of that. Green Room follows a, for people that don't know, follows a punk band um that goes it's like they're on a really failed like small city tour sure and they end up like not getting this like money at this gig so they end up uh getting find another gig up in like specific northwest right yeah. like washington state and it ends up being like kind of like a
1: it's a neo-nazi neo-nazi
0: bar. like punk bar and right. um yeah, and then they get like violent like, yeah yeah
1: they get they get trapped basically in the green room yeah um and have to basically fight their way out and it's another one where.
0: Yeah, it's very high stakes, like, for such a small yeah. setting, and it's, like, very tense.
1: Yeah. Builds, like, builds interest in characters and then just kills them sure. without much warning. Um, and everything that happens
0: before that, like, the... Because they come to... Like, somebody comes to interview them and stuff like that, and it's, like, all that stuff to some degree matters right. to the characters as the story progresses.
1: And pays off in a lot of ways. Yeah. But just just um, really, really well done. Um, good performance by uh, Patrick Stewart in that movie as, yep. like, the... The head of the neo Nazis. Yeah. Um, But yeah, really, really tense movie. But of all of his movies, Blue Ruin is the one that like you really should like seek out because that Mm -hmm. movie's just really depressing and sad and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I don't know. I I I love it. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It was on Netflix for a long time. I would have watched if it was. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's not anywhere now. But it's really really good. Yeah. Green Rooms on Netflix though. Still. Um.
0: Next, you have Alex Garland, who's what's 40- uh, what's what's
1: on, what's on a doing.
0: Oh, sorry, he is doing. Uh, this is a really good example of giving you no information about a movie. Um, it's a Netflix press release. He's doing a movie called Rebel Ridge for Netflix. Mm. Um, it is described by Netflix as a high-velocity thriller that explores systematic American injustices through bone-breaking action
1: sequences, suspense, and dark humor. Fucking Netflix and their descriptions are the worst. Yeah. That's, um. <laughs> that's actually maybe a good supplemental episode at some point is like looking at movies on Netflix that like you know and reading the description and seeing like how off it is.
0: Didn't we do that like one night like with Frankie like in somebody, Brandy I think yeah. like with the Amazon like and we're just reading the descriptions for like an hour. Well
1: Amazon's not as bad. Netflix is terrible about it. A- Amazon... Tries to capture some element of like the plot. Yeah. Amazon just says like two guys on a road trip to Kansas. What could go wrong? Hijinks ensue, and it's a movie about like somebody having AIDS or something <laughs> like that. Like, right. it's 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 the yeah. worst descriptions. Like I they yeah. It's yeah. almost like when you see those fake um. We fed a robot like 100 Olive Garden commercials uh-huh. and like, right, this uh-huh. is what it came up with. Like uh-huh. that's like literally like what's writing Netflix's <laughs> description. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix, I, I am, yeah.
0: Netflix <clears throat> is, it's such a shame. Netflix has like the best interface. It does. And such bad descriptions. Like,
1: And so the best interface with no logic or self-awareness of how to utilize that interface to its best capability. Right. Like, the fact that, like, I find movies... When we did the thing where we sat yeah. and went through, mm-hmm. like, all of it, and then, like, the next morning I was sitting there going through Netflix, like, oh, we missed this. Oh, we missed this. Like, right. oh, my God, there's all these movies... Sure. ...that just for whatever reason, when your particular... Right. ...algorithm of your viewing habits, like, put them all together, just excluded those movies from your list. Right, right. And, and and
0: excluded stuff that I had already watched, even, like, it made, yeah, it made no sense. Right.
1: I bet you if we would have went
0: through... Want to watch again? Yeah, I bet you a bunch of those movies would have popped yeah, up. Yeah, that's probably true. But, but Amazon has a really shitty interface to me. Yeah, a- Amazon's is like the fact that it's like we're in 2019 and Amazon doesn't have a 10 second button on the uh, smart TV app is a twer- so, it's 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 a it's, it's bad. Look.
1: My my biggest complaint about Amazon's interface is that if you go too far down and then you want to search. you got to go all the way back to get to that search feature like it's not like you can just yeah press to the left and all of a sudden a search box books or like hit like because i watch amazon Prime mostly on my ps4 i should just be able to hit triangle and like a search thing pops up and i search for whatever i want instead i got to like trundle back through like 42
0: tubi is really bare bones but i'd rather use tubi sometimes than amazon like yeah tubi's fine yeah, it's just like you just got to keep going. Like I just Tubi, feel like... really
1: dirty whenever I watch Tubi. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm like... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel yeah. like I'm like two seconds away from some like fucking Zalman King softcore porn like, <laughs> right. adventure on
0: Tubi. Yeah, I want to check out uh, Dark Matter TV. They just started following us on Instagram yesterday. I want to check out that app um, and see what's going on there because they have a lot of horror movies, it looks like. Um, okay, so... You also have Alex Garland. He's a 49 English novelist turned director. Um, to his credit, he has uh, the screenplays for a bunch of Danny Boyle movies. 28 Days Later, Sunshine, 28 Weeks Later. Then he also has the screenplay credits for Dread. Um, and then he has his own movies, Ex Machina um, from 2014 and then Annihilation from 2018. Yeah. And I'm
1: assuming it's annihilation
0: mainly. Oh, X
1: X Machina is amazing. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's on Netflix too. I think. Um,
1: X Machina is a movie that came out, was theatrically released, and was out for like 15 minutes and then was gone. Mm. Um, So I didn't see it until it came out on um, the streaming services. Yeah. But a really again like just a small setting, um, small idea, but a really great look at like especially in our modern like age you know what constitutes free thought and what constitutes like um existence basically because it's about like a tech giant guy who's created a woman Mm. that's a robot that he's given a personality to and she's like learning and adapting and growing and then realizes that he's going to kill her and like even though she's a robot like is, does she have like a life basically like does she like exist hmm. um so that movie is fantastic really well filmed really great tension in it um for again like a really small setting and then Annihilation do that
0: in, uh, what's a uh, Villeneuve does that uh, to some degree in 2049 right, right? right. like with that it's, same idea with the AI
1: it, it is like with um uh Ryan Gosling's uh virtual girlfriend basically this movie is like it's a science fiction movie but it it really is a horror movie and it's very Mm. horrific in a lot of ways and really like thought-provoking yeah and then um annihilation is visually one of the more brilliant movies in like a long time especially like the idea of creating this World that's our world but not quite our world and has these other things like in it like the just some of the scenes in that movie are fucking amazing the scene that everybody always talks about which is probably the most famous is the um the mutant like undead bear that's like like kind of stalking them and then comes in and like just the sound of it and the look of it is pretty terrifying um Annihilation is kind of brought down a little bit by its ending which I think is kind of weak agreed um and from a personal perspective, so James Vandermeer, I think is his name, um, has a trilogy of books that Annihilation is the first one of. Um, I can't remember the names of the other two, but they're 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 good, um, but they're completely different than what he filmed. Sure. So it's almost like, almost like Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining is so different than like the beats are there, but it's like completely different. This is the same thing, but the first i don't know three quarters of annihilation are just amazing and what another one of those movies where i was sitting there like oh my god like i can't believe how great this is this thing i'm watching i
0: was i mean i was really into it when i was watching it like uh i thought it was really visually impressive i agree about the ending um it had some there's one of those things that had some really interesting ideas in it i don't know how well it actually like came off like it it falls
1: apart because of the digital effects unfortunately like it's if there were more practical effects there or there was more of like a concerted effort to like end the story yeah as opposed to leaving it like open-ended which is kind of what the movie does yeah um
0: i mean i got it like i just thought that it was like i I just thought the ending was like way too long probably like i mean i i really like the idea that like her because it's subtle like what what they do with that character is he actually does a really good job of making that really subtle about like her own self-loathing right like it doesn't beat you over the head with it and it's like the but it's like her self-loathing is like exactly what allowed her to survive that right and um like her her desire to, her death wish is what allowed her to, to survive that which is a really interesting concept in some ways um to be able to almost like go through like that whole thing and um kind of come out the other side with a different perspective but um so i thought all that was interesting and everything but i just thought that like the whole end sequence was like way too long
1: yes and, and you're right the cgi a little goofy stuff, yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah like the whole like uh dance almost like sequence like where like the the mimicking is happening and right stuff.
1: i mean it, it goes from being like a really great fully realized motion picture to like some sci-fi channel garbage basically in the span of like <laughs> right. Like two minutes, yeah.
0: But yeah, it's really visually impressive, um, and and really and really, I thought well paced and like you know captivating in the first yeah like hour and a half of that movie. Uh, what does he have coming up next? So he, uh, oh shit, he has a, um, a Hulu miniseries that he's doing that's coming out called Devs next
1: year. D E V S.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like developers. Like. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a, It's about some kind of quantum computing company where like somebody goes like the boyfriend or somebody of this girl goes missing and like she starts like investigating and thinks like the, the company's behind it. Um, and I think there's a couple more disappearances. I, I'm pretty sure this is loosely cause, especially because he's English. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right that he's t- I, I saw a YouTube video because I'm on all that kind of like mystery true crime type stuff that's on there. There was a case in Europe, and I, it had a, a lot of British people, and I told you about this, and then I've never been able to find it again, like the like the, the case name, what they call it, but of a bunch of people that started disappearing, and they all tied back to this programming company, and... Um, this, and, and nobody could like really figure out like what was going on but they think it was like some sort of like the uh, like a they had government contracts and stuff like that so i have a feeling that it's kind of based loosely off of that whole situation um so that could be interesting
1: i mean he does yeah. tension really well and stuff like that so <clears throat> no she was making the follow-up to annihilation mm-hmm. but i guess it's okay all right. And the last uh, directors on your list are the Vicious Brothers.
0: Uh, their names are Colin Minihan, um, who's 33, and Stuart Ortiz, which is who's 35. To their credit, they have uh, Grave Encounters, which was an indie horror movie that focused on ghost hunters um, in 2011. That won some indie awards. And then uh, Grave Encounters 2. The following year. Extraterrestrial in 2014. It Stains the Blood Red in 2017. Which is on Shudder right now. And What Keeps You Alive in 2018.
1: So what uh, what uh, what out of those that would you? So I've seen Grave Encounters. But I don't remember it mm-hmm. that well. And then when I tried to find it this week. To watch again. Like I couldn't find it anywhere. <clears throat> um, mostly what I like from them is I, I think it stains the sand red is an interesting take on like zombie horror. I call it stains the blood, right? Right. right. It, it's right. Stains um, the sand, red, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of falls apart just because like it's a little too unfocused in terms of like, um, I don't know. It, it, it goes on for a little too long. And even though it's like kind of an interesting concept and sort of reminds me of, um, There's a zombie horror, like, short story collection from, like, the early 90s. There's actually a movie called Fido from the early 2000s about people keeping zombies as pets. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, like, the idea here that this woman who has this zombie following her, like, ends up, like, kind of adopting him and training him to sort of be docile and, like, whatever, you know, like, her pet, kind of. But then it kind of, like, then turns into her trying to get back to her kid and I don't know yeah um,
0: that that yeah you're right that, that whole that whole thing irritated me that this whole movie irritated me yeah I, it doesn't mean that i didn't think that there weren't some good scenes and right. like, stuff like that there's
1: like, flashes of like talent and good yeah good movie making decisions in this movie yes um and some pretty good tense moments especially like early on when she's trying to keep away from the zombie and
0: sure i, I although it's still play I don't know, whatever like it, you know how i feel about comedy right. and horror and it's like there, it's played for laughs at times and that irritates me and I think it was, like, this, like, stripper stereotype for the character, I thought, like, like irked me and offended yeah. me. And and then I just thought, like, visually in a lot of the stuff, and at least of like, the cinematography, I just thought that it's, like, they had watched way too many Breaking Bad episodes and right. basically stolen all the things that were being done there. But
1: <laughs> what keeps you alive is one of the best serial killer movies I've seen in a really long time. Like... It's, it's amazing. And it's... It's another one of those movies where it builds, like, these characters really well and really subtly. And then as it starts, like, dropping, like, terrible shit on top of them, still maintains character development. Hmm. Like, it doesn't, like, forego... Especially the main protagonist. It, it, it never lets go of, like, building her as, like, a fully realized character. And then it's got a great surprise ending. Like, I was genuinely shocked by the ending that I didn't didn't see like what how they finished it coming. Um really great performances, great setting. It takes place in like the woods on a lake somewhere near Canada, maybe. I can't remember exactly like where it's set. Um really well filmed, really tense. Really great performances. Um I mean completely came out of nowhere, like I didn't know anything about. I, I had watched, I mean, I guess I had watched Grave Encounters and I had watched It Stains the Sand Red. <clears throat> and then, like, I just randomly rented this movie off of um, Prime one day and was, like, completely, like, just blown away by it by how good it was. So, if this is, like, their progression where they're building to, like, the level of talent, then I'm really excited to see, like.
0: How do you rate that movie on, like, a scale of, like, uh, one to Henry? Uh,
1: What's Henry? Like, a Five. Oh, ten, a 10? It's, it's an 8.5. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really solid. The, you kind
0: of lost me with um woods and lake.
1: It makes sense in the context of it, though. Okay. I mean, it's it's hard to explain without, like... Because I don't want to spoil anything about it, because right, it really man. is something you need to go into cold. Yeah. And just kind of, like, just watch it and not... Because I had no idea about, like, what it was. I just... Mm. It had made like a couple of like year end lists at one point from right. people that like horror movies, so I was like familiar with the title, and then I was just like, hey, you know, I got nothing to do, I'll just watch this, and it was um it was a good choice, like it's it's really good. There yeah. were some people that we missed too that I forgot to include. Like who? The guy that directed um, the Eyes of My Mother. We were talking about him last night a little bit. I can't remember his name. He's the one that really sticks out to me, and now I I can't remember. Fuck, we were, we looked him up last night too. I do not remember that. I don't remember a lot of things from last night. Right, we were pretty drunk. Um, Nicholas, um, Pesky. Oh right, I do remember that now. Yeah, the I, I, eyes of my mother is a fantastic movie, and that's on Netflix now. And he's actually doing um. The remake of the grudge Mm. this year so that'll be interesting to see like what he does with that because the trailer is okay and it's a lot closer to the original to me than the um early 2000s american remake of juan um but i kind of feel like that's a played out story sort of and i don't know how much more like even juan 2 is just kind of trite like it sort of falls like Short of its, um, the original. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that you can tell that story anymore and make it scary, but I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance and I like him a lot. I think he's really talented.
0: So, a couple of things, people that I wanted to ask you about, like, um, that you didn't have, uh, James Mangold, who did Logan and then is doing, uh, Ford versus Ferrari that you want to see that movie that you Yeah, I do want to see
1: that. Logan's amazing.
0: Um, and, uh, trying to think of what else he did uh walk the line years ago oh he, right that's a good he movie. did um he's been around for a bit but he's um he seems like he's building up a slowly he's building up like a, a, a nice yeah you know list of movies and then um you know Martin McDonough he did um in Bruges and then he just did that three billboards outside of what oh, I,
1: Ebbing Missouri yeah yeah that, that movie was fine
0: yeah, he seems like he has talent. I mean, these are probably people that, like... And Bruges is a really good movie. That feels like... That was, like, 20 years ago, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like... Uh, oh, and Mike Flanagan's another person that you... Right,
1: I forgot to put Mike Flanagan. Mike, Mike, Mike Flanagan's great.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, we, we did not go to see Dr. Sleep um, no. as we
1: had planned. But, um...
0: He, what were you saying last night that he... Did a movie called Hush,
1: right? That's, um, I mean, it's not like anything special, but it's a decent like woman. It's it's a deaf woman being stalked by a serial killer in the woods, mm-hmm. um, in like a remote cabin.
0: Because he does Hush, and then you like Gerald's Game, right? The- Gerald's Game
1: was a really good adaptation of King,
0: and then he did the haunting of Hill House, right, which, which is we amazing. Have an episode about where we read it and yeah. read about that, and then what else they do? Um, yeah. Oculus. What is it? Oculus. Oh, right. Yeah,
1: that was good. Yeah. And then... Karen, Ab- Karen Gillian yeah. horror movie, I think, about like... Abstentia. Oh, that movie's really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah, he's good. He should have been on the list. Yeah. But but... Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm having a hard time.
0: <sighs> oh, then another horror one that... That guy that did Scary Stories Tell in the Dark, that you liked some of his movies, I think. And then he, he uh, I can't pronounce his name. It's Andre Orvdahl or whatever. He did The Autopsy of Jane Doe.
1: Oh, that movie's good. Up until like the last five minutes. Right, yeah. Or ten minutes. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, It's 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 a good movie up until a certain point.
1: Scary Stories is, like, has a couple of flashes of decent stuff, but it's not good. Mm-hmm. That was a really disappointing two hours of my life. Yeah, it's um. Are you interested in what um John Krasinski can do? I I'm I'm curious to see what else he does. Yeah. Um, I think that um Quiet Place is good, but maybe a little overrated. I think people were just kind of impressed that Jim was able to like <laughs> make like a good horror movie. Right. Um, I mean it's fine. It's it, it's a decent enough movie. Right. I'd I'd like to see what else he does director wise. Right. He's another one that I think understands horror pretty well and, like, what makes something tense and scary. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I would... Yeah. I would.
0: Okay. Um, so, that's it for tonight. Um, hopefully... If, if we just want to review real quick, Frank, so it's like Jordan Peele, like, what movie would you say?
1: I'd watch Us. Us. Uh, David Robert Mitchell? Under Silver Lake, you think? Yeah, I think that's probably... No, I honestly like for somebody that's never seen any of his movies yeah. probably it follows. Okay. I just think Under the Silver Lake is a better movie, but Under the Silver Lake is a very demanding movie to watch and I think it could like lose some people early on. What you, what about Robert Eggers? Uh I think The Witch
0: is the yeah. better place to start cuz we wa- we watched the, the Lighthouse. There is a woman Who it was? It was two couples, and this woman um was with her husband, and her husband was like really into watching this movie, and was really just wrapped attention, and this woman. Left the theater for what, like thirty minutes? Yeah, she was gone for And a then while. came back in, and like that foot was just like gone back and forth like crazy as she was sitting there. And then when the, she could tell when there was like not much longer in the movie left, she like put her chair down and she just like has her purse clutched to her. She's just like right. ready to ready get to the hell out. Ready to bolt. And like this dude still just, you know, like just not paying attention to her, just watching the movie, and she's she was so pissed. So He made the right
1: choice. Yeah.
0: So, it's like, yeah, some people probably would not like The Lighthouse and think it's, like, no. just silly. Um, so, yeah, probably Witch is good there. Um, <clears throat>
1: and then, uh, Wait- Waititi, um I think people need to see what, what, what we do in The Shadows. It's good. Yeah. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oz Perkins, you think, Black Hood's Daughter? Yes, Black Hood's Daughter, definitely. Uh, uh, Bong Jun Yu. I mean, I, I would say that you really need to see Mother, but the host, I guess. Yeah. Or Snowpiercer, if that's what your only choice is. But Snowpiercer is good. Ari Aster, Hereditary? Yeah, Hereditary. Okay. Uh, and then, S. Craig Zoller? Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Uh,
0: Leone, or Leone is terrifying. Terrifier, yeah. right? Um Kazuma's The invitation. The Invitation and then what else here? here? Blue you already said on yes and then Garland do you think Annihilation or X Machina no X Machina is the mind. one to watch there okay yeah uh, and then um, Vicious Brothers you said what keeps you alive yep okay um, so that kind of just quickly summarizes everything from tonight so yeah um, that's our list um I, I agree with, like, a lot of
1: these let that me, I've seen. Let them. me say one thing, too, before yeah. we sign off. Like, mm-hmm. look up A24, the production company, yeah. because they're behind a lot of movies that are on this list. And they have um, that Waves movie coming out, which right. I think looks pretty good. And then um,
0: Uncut Gems, which I thought looked
1: could be okay, yeah, maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Um Definitely looks like Adam Sandler's, like, most unique performance
1: in a while, to some degree. Maybe since Punch-Truck Love, I don't right, know. Right, sure. Um... But A24 consistently finds good, young, untested directors and gives them a platform to make whatever movie they want. Yeah. And I don't get the impression there's a lot of interference on their part from a production standpoint. Right. So if you yeah. ever see something coming out and it's from A24 production company, like, it's probably worth at least giving it, like, a, a thought to check Waves out. is,
0: like, everybody that's like, sees, like, early copies of Waves, everybody I see online is talking about how, like, amazing that movie is apparently. look
1: it looks fucking beautiful like i it was, looks beautiful
0: yeah like story-wise like i'm just like wh- how is this different from like 20 other things i've seen right. in my life but, but i mean i'll but, give that a chance but, but, I, but i've but i've heard that it's one of the more emotionally impactful movies that like people have seen yeah i mean i
1: i i think that trailer yeah. is gorgeous for yeah. that movie
0: and as somebody who's like a really big fan of like crime heist movies like i i thought uncut gems at least looked interesting
1: right i'm curious um,
0: apparently light i don't know if it's still going on but as of like last week uncut gems lighthouse and something else of theirs not waves is um it's apparently streaming on a24's website right now for free really? um I don't, I don't know if you had to sign up or whatever but there are like a, a three movies two of them that are um like in oh they theory. did
1: the farewell too which was another one that i kind of wish that i had seen hmm. that was a directorial debut i think from a lady it's about a um Chinese American woman that goes to China because her grandmother's dying of cancer Mm -hmm. and the family doesn't want to talk about the cancer because they're traditionalists Mm -hmm. and she's non-traditional and wants to like really get to know like her grandmother and like explore Mm -hmm. you know like how she feels about it Mm -hmm. um the trailer actually made me tear up a little bit when we Mm -hmm. saw it in the theater but um I didn't get the chance to see it and I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to see that Mm -hmm. movie I wish I yeah, could. Yeah, no, they
0: definitely seem to be doing interesting stuff. Um,
1: absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, they, um, they, they take a lot of chances. Um, sometimes I don't think they succeed with their chances, but it's always, like, interesting to see, like, what they back. Yeah. Let me see if I can hold on. If we have, like, a couple seconds just to find a list. Um,. I can't get a... What? Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. Um, Spring Breakers and the Bling Ring are two early ones of theirs, which are pretty decent movies. Um, Under the Skin, which is that weird um, Scarlett Johansson, like, body horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Life After Beth, which is a decent zombie movie or um undead haunting movie with uh what's her name um
0: oh from Parks and Rec yeah yeah
1: um but then Ex Machina um Room The Witch uh Green Room Swiss Army Man which some people like a lot I haven't seen it um Moonlight yeah Moonlight's a good movie um Black Coat's daughter. They I might mean, like, an Oscar, I think. Uh, it comes at night. Um, mm-hmm. A ghost story, which was a decent like anthology movie. Um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I really liked. Uh, Disaster Artist, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, Hereditary. Um, Hole in the ground, which was a good like low budget, not low budget, but like small yeah. horror movie. Yeah, uh, under, I like that. Over- under I mean. the Silver Lake, Midsummer uh they did the farewell huh. and then the lighthouse and then waves is their most yeah. recent um, and then they have a whole bunch of stuff coming out yeah. so nice yeah, yeah they but definitely very, very they, excited yeah
0: they definitely have a good eye like there's that period for like Netflix where it's like Netflix had a really good eye for like i would say they had a pretty long run like 4 years yeah. like of like just like all their television series just picking like really strong stuff they're, and they're
1: they're still doing a decent job with, like, finding movies and not necessarily producing them, but, like, buying the rights to them and making them Netflix exclusives. Yeah. I'll tell you the other company that's really good at it is Shudder. Like, Shudder mm-hmm. gets a lot of stuff that lower-budget or foreign, like, horror movies and just, like, gets exclusive rights to them. And yeah. They've, they've got a pretty good eye. I mean, Netflix, not everything's going to be a Netflix's
0: quality is just going down because they're trying to go... They're, they're, they're preparing for the day that they're just going to have the original content. Right. Well, they're and, going too broad. Right. So they're going so broad that it's, like, lowering the yeah. overall quality of stuff. But, I mean... Which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's the way it goes. But it's still just kind of...
1: Plus, at some point, like, there's going to have to be some consolidation somewhere. Like, there's just way too much. Like, and I'm I'm not a good example. Like, so I'm, like, an outlier here. But I don't know how you can ask people to pay for eight or nine streaming services a month. Right.
0: I mean, you're not. I mean, eventually, it's going to be yes. There's going to be consolidation, and it's going to come. There, it's it's going to turn into the cable packages again. Like that's all. That's all. It's going to happen. Where you now, it's going to be a slightly better because you're going to have a lot more choice than you ever did with cable. Right. But you're still just going to be in a position where it's like you know what's going to happen is well, the first thing that's going to happen is like NBC, like you know whoever like they already have like nbc universal so those movies will be on whatever nbc's platform is so you'll have the old tv shows you'll have the movies that nbc owns but eventually nbc will make a deal with somebody and then they'll form together but it will be a package just like disney right now is doing the package with disney plus hulu and um espn plus right and and hulu is just going to become fox at some point Yes, it almost is now anyway. Right. So it's like you know, right now they're still it's still it's still a big enough name that some like CBS and stuff are still doing like kind of first run type things with them like for so many episodes. Um, ABC I think is doing the same thing. But it's like when ABC like gets its own streaming service, they're going to stop that. So eventually Hulu just becomes Fox shows. and
1: 20- The thing though is like ABC is Disney. So I don't know... Oh, right, so, right, yeah, you're right. Like, why you wouldn't just yeah, roll all right. that together? Yeah, 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 that is Disney, yeah. Like, yeah. you could have ABC, Fox, Disney, all on one, like, umbrella package. Right. And yeah. I'd pay... Yeah,
0: you're right, because ABC and, Disney, you know, ESPN show the same thing sometimes, like sports stuff. Right, yeah. I'd
1: pay $14 a month. Have sure. all of those.
0: So yeah, it'll be ABC Fox, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then CBS will have its own NBC will it's gonna have its NBC's own next year. is
1: supposedly gonna be free. Like that's what they're floating right now. Right, NBA which is
0: gonna be really interesting long term because now you're gonna force other people to start possibly showing right. things for free with ad based stuff.
1: Or give me a paywall for certain things where sure. I have to pay like right.
0: where you're gonna to have to pay five dollars a month to get the right. office right or friends or some shit, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense, but I think if it's a lot of it's free, especially if it's kind of like what they've been doing on the websites for years, where like those, you, it, you can have access to the last three episodes, right. as long as you're kind of watching it week to week, you're all right. Um, that could really force everybody else's hand. But yeah, at some point, Netflix is just going to be a channel, um, yeah. which is going to be crazy. Like It's just going to be part of a package someday, um, and this is going to feel like this 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 cultural shift that's happened in the past 20 years is going to be this little blip, like overall right. where it's like certain ages are going to remember it. Like of the importance of Netflix and it'll just be like any of these channels one day. Um, Proud to say wild. I'm ahead
1: of the curve there <laughs> with all my streaming services.
0: Uh, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to go a thing. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's I, there's, cause there's going to be things that I can't predict that are going to happen, like in terms of consolidation at some point, And it's like, because it's it, like the it could be that the cable companies to some degree take it back over again like if they figure out a way to make it easy for you to just buy packages right it's not going to be the cable company it's going to be the internet providers is is where yes. it's going to come through but that's the cable companies basically so it's still the same companies yeah um so yeah they're just going to give you packages at some point and you're going to be able to select like you know from all these different things um well but, yeah, it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But they'll make their money. Don't worry. Um, it'll come back around again to where people were paying $80. It might still be cheaper overall than it was the cable. Because I remember me. the last time my grandfather checked his direct TV bill, um, who's the last person I know that I think has cable, still, like, he oh, yeah, has satellite. But um, before he, like, called stuff, it's like he was up to, like, $185 a month the I have an HBO show you know by having all those things it just slowly got added on because they were free and then they weren't right. free and you know it's crazy like you know um crazy and that's and then that's internet being paid on top of that cuz it's right. only Comcast in the area like so yeah it's like 200 and, um you know 35 right. like so I'm still over 100 dollars less than that sure right so it's going to be cheaper than the cable got yeah. but um but it'll still be expensive again for people so Okay. All right. So that's our episode for the night. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we'll be back with the top five movies of 1969. And then um, 79, 89, 99 will be in December. So thank you for listening. Remember, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Other than that, thanks everybody for listening. Have a great night. Have a good day.